Welcome back to the Northeast Newscast. This week, I'm joined by Aaron Deacon, KC Digital Drive's Managing Director. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So many of you may have seen our recent article about the Affordable Connectivity Program, which gives eligible households a great discount on internet access. This is just one of KC Digital Drive's many programs to make Kansas City a digital leader and to improve the quality of life for all people in the region. But for those who aren't familiar, give us a little explanation about what KC Digital Drive does. Sure, thanks, Abby. Uh, yeah, as you say, you know, our mission is broad. It is to make Kansas City a digital leader. You know, we recognize that technology is changing quickly and that for Kansas City to be a good place to live and a successful metropolitan area, we need to be thoughtful about how we adopt technology. And that means both thinking about, you know, the cutting edge, exciting new use cases and things that it can do to make things better, but also, you know, being aware of um, the risks associated with new technology and, and kind of careful about how we adopt it. And, and also really making sure that, um, you know, people who aren't early adopters, and especially people who are usually on the, the slower end of adopting technology, uh, have, a, have a chance to partake in the digital economy and, and digital life as well. So we spend a lot of time on digital equity and digital inclusion. You know, it seems like these days, the internet is part of everything, whether it's a job or school, whatever you touch on a daily basis, um, at least in my life, you know, working in media. So what are some of those, you know, kind of main objectives that you're trying to reach the community with? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good point because, you know, it in some ways, I think it, it, it is so pervasive um, and, and it touches everything. And, and we're not an organization that does everything. Um, so, you know, again, I think it's, it's really looking at sort of the, 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 the margins of the innovation curve sometimes is what we would say. So, you know, on the one hand, really kind of cutting edge use cases and adoption, how do we be creative, innovative, and entrepreneurial about how we explore those? So, um, you know, some examples, we had a partnership with the KU School of Nursing where we were uh, looking at virtual reality uh, headsets as a as a way to deliver instruction um, better. We're working with the University of Central Missouri on their extended reality lab. So we've been doing a lot of work in kind of the, the virtual reality space. But then on, on the other side of the equation, I mean, things like internet access, those are pretty ubiquitous, generally speaking. And yet we still have a lot of households that don't have access to the internet at home or that are, we call sometimes subscription vulnerable, meaning that, you know, if you've got uh, job loss or an emergency situation or big healthcare bills, you know, you might be faced with having to cut certain parts of your monthly budget out. And if one of those is your internet bill, um, that cuts you off from a lot of other things. And so we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. And so, you know, certainly when, when things kind of achieve you know, mass penetration, like internet does, it's important that um, that more vulnerable communities don't get cut off from those resources. And, you know, that that line keeps moving over time. So right now it's internet, you know, maybe it will someday be virtual reality headsets, who knows. Um, but it's important, I think, as you innovate in technology to also be looking at um, the uh, you know, making sure that the technology distribution is is inclusive. I think it's really interesting when we talk about the digital divide, many people think rural communities, but living here in Northeast Kansas City, I know that's not always the case. We've heard from, you know, the police that they can't put cameras up because they don't have internet in certain areas of our neighborhood. And just thinking about things like that, it's happening right here in the middle of the city too. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And it's and it's interesting because you hear that a lot, I think, whether it's at an institutional level like the police or businesses and, and you know, at a homeowner level. There's a lot of people who say, oh, I just can't get good Internet. Um, and one of the things that we're working with the city on um, is is how do we understand better what that means? Because the difference between in northeast Kansas City, Missouri and and rural uh, Kansas or Missouri, for example, is really kind of how much network capacity is there. I mean, there are places in rural Kansas and Missouri where, you know, even if you want to spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars, you can't get it. There's just not a network there to serve you. In most places in Northeast Kansas City, there, there, we, we've got really good network infrastructure. We've got good network capacity here, um, but but it's not always easy to access. And there are a lot of different reasons for that. Um, but one of them is certainly affordability, especially at a household level. And uh, the affordable connectivity program uh, is is one of the solutions to that, and that's you know what you guys put put the article out uh, on a couple um, a couple weeks back, and what we're really focusing on right now in terms of trying to get the word out about this program. Um, it is a thirty dollar a month federal subsidy for your internet bill that is available to households making two hundred percent of the poverty line uh, or below. Um, you can also qualify by being a recipient for a variety of other federal programs like SNAP and WIC and Pell Grants um, if you're on free and reduced lunch uh, at, at school. And you can go to getacptoday.org is, is the, the local kind of landing page and figure out if you're eligible and then get routing to sign up for that program. You know, again, it's this is a situation where you've got to have a, a provider, but we've got great providers. We've got, uh, you know, uh, Charter and Google Fiber and AT&T all serve the Northeast part of Kansas City. Uh, they've got varying levels of, of, of plans. And I think all three of them have plans that are less than $30 a month or maybe up to $30 a month. So if you sign up for the ACP program and you qualify and you have one of those providers, essentially you'll get free home internet. You know, talking about providers, um, in 2011, when Google Fiber came to Kansas City, you know, we were kind of the test city for their program. And a lot of people, especially who were living in apartments, I think got it free for an extended period of time. And that was really nice. It is interesting though, how we were kind of the test city, but it never, it still wasn't accessible to everyone and it still isn't. Um, but with programs like this, I mean, I've been telling lots of my neighbors about this program to see if they qualify, just you know, anything people can do to help with bills at this point. Have you have you found many that found they could qualify and and took it up? Oh uh, yeah, a few. I think uh, that's great. You know, especially talking to people at the library and things like that. Like if they're at the library to use the internet because they don't have it at home, I think <laughs> yeah, that's a great right, option. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting because accessible is is such a broad word, or it's used to mean a lot of different things. So sometimes people will say you know, I don't have access or, or the, you know, Google fiber is not accessible. And, and if you say live in an apartment building where it's running down the street and, you know, you need to call the company to have them come and connect you and then pay, you know, 20 bucks or 50 bucks or 70 bucks a month or whatever it is. Um, you know, that's, that's one level uh, maybe of not accessible. Like maybe you didn't know that it was there or, you know, there are some apartment buildings where the landlord has some kind of arrangement where they're exclusive with another provider. So you might be on, you know, it, it might be inaccessible for that, for that reason. But people also use that word for, um, 
you know, for those rural situations or for, and, and there are some parts of Kansas City where, you know, Google and Charter and AT&T don't provide wired internet. So, um, it, you know, again, I think, I mean, it, it's it's tricky because it gets a little bit sometimes technical, you know, in terms of what what you mean by access. And, and is it really not accessible, meaning there's no network? Is it not accessible, meaning that you can't afford it? Is it not accessible, meaning that you don't know how to get it? Or is it not accessible, meaning that, you know, you've kind of got it, but it doesn't work very well? Sometimes people even use that, um, that language. Uh, and so that kind of whole range of how people get get access to the internet. We want to make sure, you know, first of all, that that there are networks that are available to access everywhere, that people, you know, know how and, and it's affordable to access those networks, that the service that people are getting over the networks is good and, you know, hopefully as advertised. And then that all lays the groundwork for people to really be able to participate in in digital life, because that is how so much of our life happens these days. And if people are cut off from that, uh, they're really cut off from society in a way that is not healthy. You know, speaking of digital equity, I think um, most often when I see KC Digital Drive out and about, they are tabling at events in the neighborhood, just <laughs> meeting people where they are to talk about these resources. Um, and I know, you know, direct community contact is a great way to get the word out, but what are some of the other um, areas of impact, I guess, that you work on? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting that that you say that because that is probably it, it was very old and and is now kind of new and it is really part of this ACP outreach work. Um, uh, you know, back in our in our very early days, we spent a lot of time at neighborhood and community meetings. Um, I would say our bread and butter is really organizational support and capacity building. So you know, we are not a direct service organization. We don't have clients. Really, we don't work on cases. We're not case managers. Um, you know, we we do, and, and it's interesting. Like as as you point out, it is really good to get out and to meet people. Um, but but we're not a we're, you know our our clients, as it were, or the people that we work with, are the other nonprofit organizations that serve clients. And so, from you, you know uh, the the ACP, uh, the Affordable Connectivity Program, in particular. Um, there are so many organizations that are doing great work, whether it's, you know, our libraries um, uh, or, you know, healthcare organizations or nonprofit and social service organizations, social referral organizations that are providing active case management and, and care to families and helping route them through a whole range of services. And, you know, Internet access is just one of those. Um, and, and it could be internet access, it could be computers, it could be digital skills, it could be the whole range of sort of how do you get to participation in digital life. So what we really do in that space in a variety of ways is try to empower those organizations and help them build the capacity to, to do that. And that, that means different things for different people. So for some organizations, you know, they may have case managers that have sort of time and interest and willingness to learn how to be an ACP coach. Um, and, you know, they might take people in and set up office hours and have people come in and say, hey, we're going to help you get, you know, maybe get access to a computer, uh, maybe, you know, go to get acptoday.org and, and figure out how, you know, if you qualify and, and then walk them through the process and, and get signed up. But there are other organizations that just don't have that capacity or they might have case managers, but they don't have time for that. Uh, or they might have, you know, staff that is client facing um, and in those cases, um, you know, we, we have a we do have one digital skills trainer uh, that can help support those organizations. Um, but really, through this uh, this Mid America ACP outreach program, 
Um, we're looking to build a network of organizations who can lend those resources to other partners because we know there are some people that have a whole bunch of, you know, what we're calling ACP coaches, but, you know, eventually we hope will be, you know, digital navigators or digital skills trainers that, you know, may be able to help other organizations who have the population uh, that they serve, but don't have the, um, the, the staff bandwidth to add, you know, the digital component to their services. Sure. Uh, so with this ACP program, I know um, for the Internet Access Fund during COVID, there was a certain time frame people had to sign up. Is ACP kind of open-ended in terms of when you can sign up? Yeah, you can sign up at any time. Um, it was funded uh, about a year and a half ago with around $14 billion. Um, the and it, and it has not been refunded or reauthorized. So I think there's a a question as to how long those funds will be around. It looks like it's projected to run out sometime in the middle of next year. Uh, there are certainly people who are working to extend that program. Uh, I read recently that something like 40% of households nationally qualify for the program. So my guess is if they, even if they extend it to extend it, uh, you know, indefinitely at a, at a level where 40% of people qualify, that's pretty ambitious <laughs> from a, a funding standpoint. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if that, if that takes, um, but, you know, in, in the meantime, you know, even if it runs out, you know, in, in March or April or May of next year, you know, that's still six or eight months away. And if you have a chance to get $30 off your, you know, household bills for the next six or eight months, um, there's there's not much downside uh, to, to pursuing that. So we really encourage uh, folks to take advantage of that. Um, you know, you were talking about how your organization works with healthcare innovation and I think entrepreneurship too. So you're kind of at the top level of technology, you know, as it's being developed. And also there's people sitting in our neighborhood who don't know how to access internet on their phone, even if they had it. You know, what are some of the, um, I guess, groups you've worked with that can help kind of bridge that, you know, digital knowledge divide? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many great organizations uh, that are that are tackling that in different ways. Um, I'd say Goodwill of uh, of uh, oh shoot, I should know their full. It's like Goodwill of Eastern Missouri, Eastern Kansas, and Western Missouri, I guess. Um, but but the local the local Goodwill uh, does basic digital skills training classes, and they also have a program called Bridge to Technology, which. Uh, instructs people in some of those, you know, more advanced skills, starts to make introductions to things like, you know, artificial intelligence and, um, uh, you know, augmented reality and virtual reality. Esteem Village uh, is doing a lot uh, with youth in particular, and, and really with a focus of opening up economic opportunities and helping young people get involved in that advanced technology digital economy. Uh, Catholic Charities uh, on the Kansas side of the metro. Uh, actually, they work on both sides of the metro. It does a lot of work with uh, the immigrant and refugee communities. Um, Guadalupe Center and Maddie Rhodes uh, have both uh, started to do that. Uh, Hispanic Economic Development Corporation, the the libraries, especially Kansas City, Missouri Public Library, uh, Mid-Continent Library also have varying levels of digital skill programs. I feel bad because I know I'm leaving tons of people out. Um, but That's there are so a lot of folks. Yeah. It, 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 is, it is a very long list. And, and they all do it in, in a little bit different ways, right? I mean, there are some people who have just sort of basic, you know, hey, you want to learn how to turn on a computer. And, and some classes that are kind of um, 
like the the tech access program at the Kansas City Public Library. Uh, Megan McNaughton runs that, and and they've got a lot of you know work that they're doing with other partner organizations to just come out and kind of teach these basic you know digital skills. Um, you you have other people that are you know again helping those immigrant and refugee communities or organizations like Literacy Kansas City, which you know is really teaching people literacy broadly. Um, but understands that there's a digital component to that and incorporates digital skill training in, in that mix. I think that's great that there's so many partners kind of working toward that same mission with the addition of a group that's helping with internet access like you are uh, on, on all ends of the spectrum, you know, from the very basics to the innovation is really cool to see, I guess, how far Kansas City can come and how, um, you know, you were talking about building up that reputation of Kansas City as a place where people have access to the internet and can continue to, you know, grow and innovate and things like that. It's time to take a break to thank our sponsors. Shamika's Online Market in Delhi, offering catering and nationwide shipping at shamikasonline.com. Find their new deli at 16th and Swift in North Kansas City. Shamika's, where customers become friends and friends become family. From classics to campers, hot rods to hoopties, Seaberg Muffler, your exhaust headquarters since 1974, Armour Road in Burlington in North Kansas City, Missouri. And now back to the newscast. Tell me a little bit about your team. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's grown uh, uh, quite a bit over the past few years. Uh, so Leslie Scott is our digital inclusion program manager, and she joined us when we started the Internet Access Fund um and internet access support program so we have a, a local um subsidy program that helps people with their their broadband bills that complements uh, acp and and was started beforehand so she she joined in that capacity but has taken on a much broader portfolio and kind of works as our ecosystem coordinator she does a lot of work uh in support of the kansas city coalition for digital inclusion uh which we're on the steering committee of plug for that uh, first friday uh, of most months, we meet uh, either on Zoom or the first Friday of each quarter, we'll, we'll meet in person. And that is, you know, all of those organizations that I mentioned that are doing this kind of work. It is really a, a networking event for, you know, practitioner organizations. Um, Urban Tech uh, and the work that Ina Montgomery is doing with, with youth is another one that I would throw in there. And uh, they're, they're part of that uh, steering council as well. So, um, in, uh, in addition to Leslie, uh, we've got w William Crumpler is a program analyst. He does a lot on the data side. So um, especially with a lot of the federal money that's coming down, a lot of it is data dependent. There's a lot of sort of sophisticated mapping that the federal government is doing and then that we're working with the city on in terms of understanding which locations are el eligible and really working to, to sort of understand better along that continuum between, you know, is network capacity the problem or is it access to the network? Uh, which which may include affordability, or is it service quality? Um, William has been really, really helpful on that. Uh, we we just had a um, a woman start this week. Uh, we've got uh, two Lead for America fellows as part of what they call the American Connection Corps, one for the state of Kansas and one for the state of the Missouri. Uh, and so we had our, our Missouri coordinator start so that we can continue to build and support what we're doing for Metro Kansas City, but also, you know, because so much of this federal funding is coming through the states, um, we want to make sure that what we're doing in Kansas City 
you know, it's, it's challenging. You don't want the Kansas and the Missouri approaches to be really different. So we want to be, you know, working closely with both of our state broadband offices who have, who have been great, uh, by the way, um, uh, and, and really have a good back and forth between how the states work and, and what we do here in Kansas City. Uh, Carol Myers is a, um, a digital skills trainer who uh, offers uh, classes and services and works on organizational support out of the LAMP campus. She was with PCs for People for a very long time, and PCs for People continues to be a, a great device partner for us. Um, Jackie Gildo uh, is uh, a relatively recent addition, and she has been helping Carol uh, and Leslie with some organizational outreach and some of those tabling events that you mentioned and things like that. Um, and then we've got, uh, and you probably didn't want me to necessarily go down on a whole on a whole staff rundown, but but now that I'm here, I'll probably forget somebody before before I'm done. Kerry Keefe uh, kind of helps uh, with with operations and communications for the organization. Jim Starsev runs our entrepreneurship and innovation uh, programs, and uh, John Fitzpatrick is our community health strategist. So we've got um, kind of him in a in a subject matter specific area, which is interesting because healthcare is a place where you know again that like there's a lot of innovative stuff happening in the healthcare space but also you know a lot that is happening with community health workers and how do you use mobile technologies and digital technologies to extend healthcare access to some of these same populations that may have access difficulty accessing the internet so um he's he's kind of got that in his portfolio that's great and how long have you been with the organization uh since since the beginning um in in 2000 I mean, even even before the beginning. So we kind of started doing our work when when Google started rolling out around 2011. Uh, the, the the brand uh, goes back to 2012, um, and we were incubated with Inside Mid America Regional Council for a couple of years, um, and uh, incorporated in 2014. That's great, and I mean, just thinking about how far technology has come since 2014. I mean, I was a senior in high school. And I was still putting, yes, I can use Microsoft Word on my resume, you know, and that was <laughs> like, <laughs> right. hardly a skill if you're looking for an office job. Um, how has your- Sort of, you you might, you might say that, but you would be surprised. It was funny. I was talking and Leslie will appreciate me probably bringing this story up. You know, she was, and I, she would tell the story better, but, you know, I think was working with someone. Uh, you know, and scheduled a meeting and it never came up on her calendar. And like, she found out that people don't know how to use Outlook and you might not put Outlook on your, on your resume because you, you wouldn't think you just kind of assume that people know how to do that. But there is this skill set of like, you know, kind of, uh, I mean, I think the way she puts it is everyone thinks there's all these digital natives that just know how to do everything, but there are things that, you know, if you're, if you're <laughs> of, a, of a little bit older generation, you know, in your thirties or forties or fifties and you're, you sort of, expect people to do all of these things it's not necessarily how like like my kids don't even check their email you know it's all text or snapchat um right and so like you know how to respond to an email or how to set a calendar invite these are a whole sort of layer of digital skills that aren't just you know turning on the computer primitive but are important to be able to function in the workplace and and really are are some something of a gap yeah, absolutely. Um, that's interesting to think about as, you know, we've had summer interns and then we have people in their 60s in my office and talking about things like TikTok is just like, there is that divide. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, how has your mission evolved over these, I guess, almost nine years um, that you've been doing this work? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'd say our our mission at the beginning was was twofold. One, you know, was really sort of uh, responsive to the issue at hand, which was, you know, there was this fiber infrastructure that uh, we had a, a private company that was investing hundreds of millions of dollars in, and you know, we really wanted to one like use it to do cool new things and figure out how to push the limits and be innovative. Uh, and two, to make sure that it that it went everywhere, um, right? So you kind of have this this innovation in the inclusion side, specific to that particular technology. But we we knew from the outset that you know, like a, a lot of the meetings, even before the organization started, we were still working with Mayor James and Mayor Reardon. You know, we're, we we need we need somebody who wakes up every day and thinks about this. We need you know, there's this is an important enough issue for the community, and it is it is substantive enough and it is new enough that like it doesn't have a natural home. There's not someone who's already doing this, and you know, as we started to think about that in the context of gigabit fiber internet, which people didn't really know about, there was a lot of education that was needed, and then like you know, programming that goes on top of that. It's like oh. This is sort of a civic muscle that we're going to need for other things also. Uh, and so the 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 kind of strategy as we built out is how do you deliver on that in this one use case, but also build capacity to do it for other use cases as they emerge. Um, and and so, you know, there was a big smart city project that the city of Kansas City, Missouri did uh, that we were that we were pretty involved in. Um, you know, surprisingly, uh, in some ways, when the pandemic hit, um, even though pandemic response wasn't really a technology issue per se, it was a little bit similar in that it involved doing uh, a whole bunch of work that that no one knew needed to be done a month ago. It, it sort of hits you suddenly. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns and uncertain information and not necessarily a lot of clarity about whose job things are. And that was kind of some of the the, the skills that we had developed as an organization. So we got really involved in, um, in, in COVID response. Um, you've seen that with uh, a lot of the infrastructure money now. So um, have really kind of um, uh, been able to build more capacity. Um, that, that we have been trying to build for a long time, but but all of a sudden there's a little bit more will and resources towards uh, you know thinking about digital inclusion and equity on a holistic and strategic level as a as a community, and and I think we're starting to see that more now also with the economic development aspect um, of kind of emerging technology clusters. Um, so you know it's been it's been interesting. Um, you know, to see sort of what these big picture buckets are. But the other kind of piece of our work is that we're, you know, we're really action oriented more than planning oriented. So we don't spend a lot of time like creating strategic plans and getting committees together and just sort of talking about things. We really respond to people in the community who are out there doing work and trying to solve problems and trying to innovate and trying to use new technology. And that's part of why, you know, even in the digital inclusion space, our work is really partner focused because we want to find partners out there who have um, energy and agency and commitment to these issues and figure out how we can support them to, to do better. Cool. That's great. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, to, to that partner point, um, we do have, um, so we, we had our 10 year anniversary party last fall 
And uh, it was great because we work in a lot of different spaces. So a lot of different people come together who don't necessarily always get to, to see each other. Um, and we got really good feedback. So we're going to make it an annual partner celebration event that is on October 10th of, of this year. So um, if you go to our website uh, on our event page, you'll see a link to it. But would would love to invite uh, our partners to join us uh, on the evening of October 10th uh, to the Abbott and the East Crossroads. Uh, the food and drink are pretty good. Uh, it's not super content heavy, so I I, I think it will be fun. Uh, we've got a jazz band plan, uh, so would would love to see people join us. Nice, what a great opportunity! Well, thank you for sharing this morning. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Abby.